okay. Do you want your time? Um, let's do 10, 10, 9, and 1. Okay. Assuming that adds up to 30. <laughs> Is that good? Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Um, again, I'm Laura. I'm an anorexic and compulsive overeater. Hi, Laura. Hi, Laura. Very, 30 minutes is very intimidating. And it's funny because I seem to never stop talking. And if you ask my family, they'll tell you I never stop talking. And I talk for a living, and yet 30 minutes is like intimidating to me. Um, so I guess I'll just do sort of the standard format and then get into where I am today. Um, I'm from New York originally. Um, I was born and raised in New York, primarily in the 80s on the Upper East Side. And I mentioned that because if any of you know anything about that, it was a very, very competitive time. Um, I think the 80s were probably very competitive in lots of places, but in New York, everybody was compared to everybody else all the time and very openly and very, um, everyone was very aware of it. You know, I was just never enough. I was never smart enough, never thin enough, never rich enough, blonde enough. <sighs> Whatever it was, I didn't measure up. Um, and in some cases that was said very directly. <laughs> um, and in other cases it was just my head making up the story that I was just never enough for anything. Um, I've come to believe in this program that both my father and my grandmother were one of us or among us. Um, my grandmother was for sure anorexic, making her like the only Jewish anorexic grandmother in the history of the world. <laughs> um, and my father, I think, was just a, a compulsive overeater, but he never had a weight problem. Um, he was very athletic, he played tennis three times a week, he played golf, he went sailing. So I think he just never showed it. But now from this perspective, it was very normal in that world that like, my father would take a pint of Breyer's ice cream to bed every night and finish it. And lots of people did that. It was a very common like Brooklyn Jewish thing to do. But now that I look back on it from this perspective, I'm like, that's really not normal to eat like an entire thing of ice cream every day in bed. That's, that's weird and not healthy at the minimum. Um, and he could easily put away like a whole cake by himself over a course of a day or two. So like, I, I do really think he had this in him also. Um, it just came out in a different way. Um, I'm really the only one in my family that struggled with my weight. Um, and with that, it's, the wider world that I grew up in, my parents, friends, all of them. I, I really spent a lot of time thinking about this. No one was fat. I, like I can't, and I've asked my sister and I've asked some people I grew up with, I'm like, can we think of anyone? And genuinely no one. Having said that, they all talked about dieting and their weight all the time. Everybody, you know, whatever diet was trendy, the grapefruit diet, Scarsdale, Predicate, like we did them all and we did them as a family, right? <laughs> my father was gonna do one or my mother, everybody did the same thing. Um, but really no one was actually ever fat. I started to gain weight around puberty, around 12. For my father in particular, it was really very upsetting and not good. I realized I brought some pictures, I'm gonna send them around. I forgot. Um, and my pictures are not very dramatic, just as a, an aside from my story. But I think what they show, what I see anyway, is that my weight was constantly moving up and down. And I would have sort of anorexic phases and overeating phases. And you'll see that it just goes up and down and up and down. Um, and I started just 
writing where some of the photos were taken because people started asking me, so I just put the location on it. Um, so I started gaining weight. When I was about 12, um, my father offered me $100 if I lost 10 pounds. I don't remember whether I did it or not. I tend to think that I did because I think I would remember if I didn't. But that was like my first experience really with dieting and that how upset my father was. And I didn't really think that much about it. Like now people are horrified that my father would like bribe me to lose, to lose weight. But it's, I think that's just kind of how it was. And from there, it just went up and down. I really became anorexic around 16. Um, I really just, and this was true for every anorexic phase you'll see. I went on a diet and just kept going. I'm a really, really good dieter. Um, and so I would reach whatever goal weight and then be really afraid of coming back. So I would lose a little more and a little more and a little more. Um, and I couldn't let go because as soon as I let go, I knew I would balloon up. So I had to stay on that track and on whatever it was. Um, in high school, that's when like doctors and school nurses and whatever would call my parents and tell me, tell them that I had a problem. My parents absolutely did not believe that I had a problem. Um, you know, their, their attitude was really like, look, she's finally thin. What, what, there's no problem here. Um, and they thought anorexia was kind of trendy and like popular. And so I was just trying to be like the trendy girl. So they had, they were very dismissive of me and all the people who called to raise alarm. But eventually um, they agreed. Uh, one of the doctors said that they were gonna hospitalize me um, against their will. If they thought that I was truly in jeopardy, they could do that in New York State. So uh, I like to negotiate and we negotiated that I would go to therapy three times a week for double sessions. So that's six hours of therapy a week in high school. Um, and on Fridays I had to eat lunch with him, which was very horrifying and scarring for me. Uh, but I did do it. Um, I, it was, it was the beginning of my first real recovery. You know, at that time there was a period of time where I ate like 300 calories a day. Uh, I went up to, that didn't last all that long. Then I went to 500 calories. That lasted quite a long time for me. That was, seemed very doable. Um, most of the anorexic periods that I've had subsequently usually end up around 800 calories. And I'm very much a calories person. I'm very much a numbers person. Um, I didn't really care about nutrition didn't care about, and I only cared about cardio, exercise, right? Like I didn't care about weights or, because I wasn't interested in fitness or health. I was interested in burning calories and how many calories came in. So if I couldn't like lift a book, I didn't care as long as I burned off enough calories that I could feel okay. Um, and that's generally where I got to at the end was I mostly, <laughs> I played like a zero sum game is how I always thought of it which was I could eat as much as I could burn off. Hmm. So I'm a small person. For me to burn in 800 calories a day is a lot of effort. And that was pretty much the max I could do. But if there was a day where I only burned 700 or 500, then that's what I, I ate. Like that was, that's what set what I could eat for the day. Um, and I, you know, I had all of the, the general things like I was you know I'd walk into any room I was the fattest person there and I would I would do like a quick assessment um and I was always the fattest person I wore clothes that would at least like two or three sizes too big for me 
which I have to say, at least at that point in the late 80s, was sort of the style, so it wasn't quite as obvious as it might be like now. Um, and every single girl I grew up with had an eating disorder, without exception. And it was so common and so a part of life that it was often talked about. Um, my best friend at the time was bulimic, and we would we would kind of support each other. And in this case, what I mean is we encouraged each other to be better at our eating disorders, right? So that was our support was how we could, I could be a better anorexic and she could be a better bulimic. It wasn't about getting better. It wasn't about getting healthier. Um, you know, and she, I, I like to tell the story because I think it, it emphasizes really like the level of crazy was one day I, um, I binged, right, in my head. And I had an extra saltine, and I'm not joking, it was one. But that put me over my calorie limit, right? Like, I don't know how many calories are in a saltine. But it was still extra. And I called her and I said, like, you have to tell me how to throw up. I, ha I can't, I, I have to get it out. And I tried really hard, and she was on the phone with me, talking me through how you vomit, and I just couldn't. And at the end, she said to me, well, you just don't want it enough. And it's, I mean, to me, it's kind of funny because the truth, it's true. I, I, I think that like many things, I, I just couldn't do it. And I, I ended up having to live with the extra saltine, which obviously did not harm me in a long-term kind of way. But in my head, it was a binge. I had, you know, tremendous amounts of shame. I was just grief-stricken and hating myself for days and weeks. And for me, it didn't matter that it was one saltine. It might has, it could have been 3,000 calories of whatever. Psychologically, it was the same thing for me. And I just, you know, it made me like double down on not eating and exercising more. And um, I did eventually sort of start to come out of that, that phase, um, like in college, and I started gaining weight. I went through a brief bulimic phase in recovery still couldn't throw up. So I went for the other end and <laughs> uh, found that laxatives would do the job. Um, it, was, it was brief and I think it was really, uh, that's 10 minutes. So after college I went into, uh, I got a different therapist and I had that therapist, and I know it's an outside issue, but um, I had that therapist basically for 20 years. And I would have this cycle where I would gain weight and then I would get really, really skinny and I would gain weight. And then it got progressively worse. The highs got higher. The lows never got lower, unfortunately. And just to be clear, under eating and being of low weight was never a problem for me. Never saw that as bad, never had any kind of problem. And had you asked me at any one of those anorexic phases, my problem was that I ate too much. If I could just eat less, I'd be fine. Didn't matter because I was still too heavy and I was overeating and I was out of control. So like my, what you thought of my body is irrelevant, right? Um, and I didn't realize, and this never ever came up in therapy, that my eating disorder uh, of all shades really just took me out of life. It occupied all my time because I would spend my time figuring out what I was gonna eat, adding up all the calories, then figuring out, well, if I didn't eat this, and then I'd add it all up again, but I could add that, and then I'd add it all up again, and I could exercise here or there, and I spent my 
really my entire life plotting and planning and figuring this stuff out. And I didn't realize until I came into program that I was just avoiding life. And I really didn't have a lot of life. By the time I, I just before a program, I had very few friends in Los Angeles. Most of my closest friends were elsewhere, and they, they still are. Um, I had no dating life. Work was always good. I was always, um, I was always good at work. It was always a point of joy and happiness and success for me. But otherwise, there was nothing else. And I can't really overemphasize how isolated I was and how much of nothing else there was. And I knew that. I knew I needed more friends. I knew I needed to be out in the world more. But really, I just didn't want to. It's the truth. Um, and I used all of this stuff and all this exercise to have very good reasons not to. Because in our society, my bad behavior, and by bad I mean my bad eating disorder behavior, is very validated. Um, people would compliment me, right, on losing weight. Or, wow, you go to the gym seven days a week and you go for like an hour. That's super. That's really awesome. It really wasn't, right? But I get a lot of validation in our society for my bad behavior. Um, and I feed on that, by the way. That is for sure part of my disease. Compliments, um, feeling superior, feeling like I, like I got this and better than everyone else at the same time as feeling like I am worse than everyone else. It's a weird uh, two-sided coin. Um, and that's usually what I was chasing. So there's a, there's a point in anorexia, at least for me, but I think for many people, where you become euphoric, or I do. And I would really be high, and I mean that in the most literal, true way. I was euphoric, I had tons of energy, I felt great, I was better than everybody else, I had no problems, and it's an awesome feeling. I assume it's what it feels like to like be on heroin. I have not done that, but I'm imagining, based on TV, that that's what it, it's like. And it's awesome. And that's really what I was after each and every time, was trying to get to that point and get to that place where I felt really good. And sometimes I, I did, and it would last for a little while, and then it, it sort of turns over and becomes horrible. Um, but until it's horrible, it's awesome. Mm. <laughs> and I would always forget the horrible part. Um, so I moved to Los Angeles and basically had no life. Um, and I, my last anorexic period, actually, before I get to that, sorry, the last really heavy period was in my late 30s, early mid 40s, I think. Um, and really, I had just given up. It, and it, I was very conscious of it and could talk about it in therapy that I was like, I'm never going to get married. I'm never going to find someone. I'm just not someone who's going to have a lot of friends and a big social life. I have a really good career, so that's good. And I'm just like, why shouldn't I be 300 pounds? Why not? It makes no difference. I work from home. It's not like I have to do very much like out in the world. What I, sh I should just eat everything in sight and be done with it. Um, but I didn't, and honestly, to this day, I don't know why. I, I don't know why I wasn't 300 pounds, because in my heart, 
I, I am a hundred pounder. Like, aside from the fact that for a long time, that's what I saw in the mirror. That's like what my eyes would see. I, I should have been by all, all rights, 300 pounds. Um, and I, I don't really know why I wasn't or didn't. Um, and then the last anorexic phase before I came into um, program was around when I met my husband. And I point that out because it gives me anxiety to this day because he met me and fell in love with me when I was a lot thinner than I am now. And while I don't believe that he fell in love with me because I happened to look that way at that time, like I have enough self-esteem now to think that it has more with my personality and who I am and whatever. But it does sometimes give me pause that like, oh my God, I'm gonna get fat, he's gonna leave me. Like he, he bought into this size and this person and that person isn't here anymore. Um, so I, I do sometimes get very insecure and very nervous about that. Um, but with all that, that is, I came into program because I was overeating. I had a huge, huge fight uh, with my husband on Halloween and I just started eating candy and I didn't stop until like March. I just, and I couldn't. I ate tons and tons of candy. I was hiding it. Um, and that's all I wanted to eat. I ate other food, but I, I ate a lot, a lot of candy. Um, and finally at that point, my therapist was like, do you know about Overeaters Anonymous? And I was like, no. And I was like, and I'm not going to something called Overeaters. <laughs> Forget it. And she's like, just go. And we, I like to negotiate. So we negotiated that I would go to five meetings, five different meetings, which turns out to be a very good thing because had I just gone to the first one, I would have never gone again. Um, it was a 90 minute meeting like this one. And I thought it would never end. I'm like, when, when can I get out of here? Like these people are still sitting here or still talking about this. Like uh, it was Serenity Sunday. And I was so confused. I didn't understand the words. I didn't understand, literally the words people used. Um, and then there was all this stuff about God. And I was just like, no, it's not gonna work for me. I was raised by hardcore atheists. I was raised as an atheist. Um, God was just not gonna work for me. And if that's required, then forget it. So I did go to the other five and I heard some other other things. It took me, um, for newcomers who might listen to the podcast, I was not someone who came in and was like, oh, I found home. Like, this is it. These are my people. I did not feel that way. I was like, oh, well, I heard some stuff maybe, like I used to do that, or that's kind of familiar. But it took quite a few meetings before I was like, okay, like I've heard enough that I relate and there is, there's something about this for me. But it, w it took a while. Um, so I started, I started coming, I, I found a sponsor who is uh, also anorexic, and we started working the steps in the long form how format, um, which if you don't know is like 160 questions. No, it's 155 in step four. I, I don't know how many it is. It's, it's just tremendous. It took me two years. It was daunting and I had a lot of resentment about, other people who came into the program who were like lapping me in doing the steps. Um, I have a slightly different perspective now, which is had I done it very quickly, I probably would have just done it and left, right? Because I'm very goal oriented. If you give me a goal, like I'll do, I'll do the 12 steps, boom, great, okay, bye. So I think it actually 
was beneficial, even though I was not happy about it at the time. And I for sure never thought I'd get past step three, right? I don't believe in God. Like, like how, how can I possibly do that? But um, I talked to my sponsor about it a lot, and I became willing to open the door. I became willing to be willing. Um, and to this day, I can't really strongly say that I believe in God or I have some higher power that's an entity. I, I have more faith in things that are not just me. I always relied on myself, right? I could do anything. And that's, there's 10 more, yes? Okay. I could do anything myself. And if I just put, and that, and I grew up in that environment, right? Where like, you could be anything. Since we were like in kindergarten, I went to a very academically rigorous school and we were told you could do anything. You could be president. You can be anything you want. You just have to work for it. So I really internalized that and I, I could work for anything or everything. So the concept of something being not in my control and not, um, something greater than myself was really hard and really difficult for me to come to terms with. Um, and I still struggle with it. Where I am now on that is that I, I can sort of, I can let go, I can surrender. I don't surrender to a thing, like to an entity. Um, and it's generally best for me not to give too much thought to it. <laughs> The more I analyze it and the more I try to pin it down, the more um, resistant I become. So if I just sort of accept that, okay, maybe, and something might be there, you know, I, I kind of have enough faith at this point that over the rest of my life, and I plan to be here the rest of my life, that may evolve into something different or it won't. But right now, it's enough for me, and it's, it works for me. Um, and then the rest of the steps were kind of okay. Honestly, step six was super easy. I could write a list of all of my character defects and tell you all about them all day long. I knew what those were coming in. That was, that was an easy part for me. Step nine was really hard. Um, I'm still working on some of the amends. Um, one of them that I want to talk about is really hard for me because I feel a lot of shame around it, which was there were times in my life where I really was um, a mean girl. And it's really hard for me to admit that. And it's really hard for me to integrate that with who I am today. Um, a lot of the, the girls who were involved in it on, on the other side of it, I really can't find them. I don't know. I don't know their names. I don't know where they live. Like there's, there's no direct amends to be made. I can't find them. And um, and in my school, I was certainly not the worst, right? Like there were people who way outclassed me in the mean girl category, but they were my friends. And I was also witness to a lot of things that I didn't do anything about. So in addition to my own behavior. I sort of have to live with knowing that I was complicit in others' behavior. And right now, it's, it's really hard for me. It's really hard for me to like, learn to live with this. For, obviously, I've lived with it you know, since high school. And, but um, 
I mostly just ignored it. I just didn't, never thought about it. Never gave it any thought at all. So now I have to think about it. <laughs> and now I have to figure out how to do amends to people I can't find and find a way to sort of integrate it and, and mesh it into who I am now and who I want to be. And right now it doesn't fit. And it's, it's, it's really a struggle and it's really still a very raw spot. I had told my husband about it uh, a while ago and he started teasing me sometimes about it. And I, I, just, I was like, you can't, I'm sorry. Like, I appreciate that like, it's good nature and whatever, but like, this is just way too sensitive for me. And maybe one day you can, but right now, like it, I, I just, I can't, I, it's like an open wound for me. Um, so I'm still working on that in terms of um, step nine and probably will be for, for quite a long time. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about what I do with my program today. So um, I have a sponsor, uh, I have sponsees, I do a 10 step every night, um, I have an abstinence of no recreational sugar. I, um, I do have a food plan. I was very, very resistant. Um, I should also point out I was resistant and reluctant to every single suggestion my sponsor has ever made. Um, I do try to do them. Sometimes I do them to spite her, but I will do it. Um, so I was against a food plan. To me, it felt very much like a diet, right? And I could go down that rabbit hole very easily. But, uh, but it hasn't, it's, um, it's helped me sort of pace my food, I guess. So um, my food plan is, is more about nutrition because I never cared before. Um, I count calories, um, which for me helps keep me honest about what's real and what's not real. And I have a minimum that I have to make no matter what, and I do. Um, the maximum is a little looser, and lately it's been pushing on a, a northern end, and I've been gaining some weight and not happy about that, and it's not coming off. Uh, one might argue that it relates to some of this ninth step stuff and what I'm dealing with, and time will tell. Um, what else do I do? I wrote it down, so I, I always forget, and then... Uh, I weigh myself once a week, which I know is a little controversial for some people. For me, it's also about staying honest because I will start to tell stories um, one way or the other. Usually is that I'm gaining weight and I need to go on a diet. <laughs> Almost every week, that, like, as I approach the scale, that's what's in my head. So I, I do do it once a week and I try to do it, sort of rain or shine, that's uh, not perfect, let's say. I do mostly weigh and measure my food at home because that goes with the calorie part. I don't know how many calories in are in it if I don't know what size it is. Um, and I remain abstinent no matter what. I, um, at this point, I don't find my abstinence very challenging. It's not that hard for me to not eat recreational sugar, which for me means refined sugar, any added sweeteners of any kind. Um, I find other people, non-program people, have more trouble with it than I do. Mm -hmm. um, and out in the world, people um, find it difficult and are sometimes a little hostile that I don't want to share dessert with them or something <laughs> like that. Or like, why would you ever do that? Why would you give up sugar? 
And for a long time, I really stumbled over how to answer that. And I, I made it a problem because of how I answered it. And I, I even knew that I was being defensive and I was not expressing it in a way that shut down the conversation. It just seemed to like bring more questions and sort of hostility towards me. But now I've learned to just say, you know what, I just, I, my candy eating was out of control and I had to just shut it down 100%. And it's interesting that almost everyone understands overeating candy. <laughs> like everybody's like, oh yeah, I get that, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it was like Halloween every day, right? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand. It's, <laughs> and it's, it's interesting how many people act. Like, once I started phrasing it that way, now people are, like, on my side and not um, hostile about it. Um, but that's taken me, like, two and a half years. I've been, uh, I've been in program almost three years, and I have a little over two and a half years of abstinence. And I really have a serenity around food for the most part that I didn't know was possible. I didn't even know that I thought about food and dieting and exercise all the time. I know that sounds like a little crazy. I didn't know that that's what I spent all my time thinking about because I had done it for so long and it was so much a part of me that that's just what you do. So I came into program for the sanity. Um, I didn't know that people came here to lose weight. I probably would have been here a lot sooner had I known that. but I came for the sanity. I have a lot more ease. Um, early on in program, like I want to say within like the first week or something, I discovered podcasts. I love these podcasts. Um, I listen to them all the time. You know, we live in LA, I'm in the car a lot. Um, I also listen to them from all over the country. Um, and if you guys don't know, there are podcasts from Virginia, Colorado, San Francisco. I listen to them from everywhere. Um, I. It's just super, super helpful to me. And I hope this podcast is helpful to someone. Um, I lost my train of thought knowing that there's only one minute left. And I made it to 29 minutes. It's awesome. Um, So I guess just as a wrap up, like I'm in a pretty good place. Um, My body issues are a little more stubborn. Um, And because I've gained some weight, I'm really struggling with my body at the moment. Um, I like to wear pants that have elasticated waist. That's usually a very bad sign. (laughs) Um, But I do have enough faith at this point that I will get through it and it'll be okay. And it's better than it was. About a month ago, I was in a really, really dark place. I was, it was really bad. And now it's just sort of gray and not black. So that's this program for me. And that's all of you and coming to in-person meetings and hearing people share and hearing real people be honest about themselves and what's going on helps me every single day. So, thank you. Okay. Now is 